32 Counties. 32 Questions. My name is Una. My name is Andrea. And this is United Ireland. We're back. We usually take a county, dive into an issue relevant to that county, and then see where in the world it brings us. We've been talking about this pandemic a lot over the past few weeks. Um, But this week, as all the summer festivals were cancelled, we're looking at how COVID-19 is affecting the music makers and festival creators. What is the impact of the pandemic on the live music industry? How can festivals survive a fallow summer? And what will the post-lockdown landscape of touring be? Um, Thank you to our Patreon people. We love you so much and you're enabling us to keep going and making bonus pods such as the Dublin Utopia bonus that you can listen to right now. Stunning. And also, news just in, Una. We have a new Patreon-only subcategory about to launch. That's right. Stand by for the brand new Sunday Soothe. Every Sunday, we will bring you an episode that soothes your nerves and fills you with a calm joy before the week begins again. No ranting, no rage. No giving out. I know, I know. Can you believe it from us? Um, It does seem impossible, but this is going to be positive vibes only. And we're even going to have the Sunday Soother, which is the soothing equivalent of the weekly tuna chicken roll. And the first episode of the Sunday Soothe lands this Sunday. And now that we've said it, we have to deliver. Now we have to do it. So all the more reason to sign up to Patreon to have those soothing uh, vibes easing you in uh, like the anti Glen Row music of a Sunday evening. You'll be all soothed and um, just like chilled out. Namaste and chilled out for Monday. Um, Andrea, how are you feeling? I am feeling good. I feel so nice to say that. I this is TMI, but I got my period and life has just changed. Like period in a pandemic, there's something in that. It's not the crack. Um, but yeah, I'm in a very optimistic, joyful place, which is That's good. Good. What about you? Um, I, I, I'm, I'm fine. Um, I, I think that like a couple <laughs> of people said to me, it's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's normal. A couple of people said to me, they're like, wow, you you know, I, I must've sound really bummed out at uh, last week's podcast, which I kind of was. So I'm shit at masking my feelings, obviously. Um, so thank you to people who got in touch, um, cheering me up about that. Um, yeah, better, I guess, you know, up, ups and downs, emotional roller coaster, um, and just trying to, I'm baking a lot of white bread, which is new venture. It's going very well. And yeah, that's my vibe. Um, but uh, now that you know how we're feeling, let's see how Ireland is feeling. Andrea, the state of the nation. The state of the nation. So... Something I think that we're all a bit, uh, there seems to be this deadline in everyone's mind that once we get to the 5th of May, everything is going to change. And we've done such a good job of playing by the rails. Um, shout out to all the the rule enforcers out there on Twitter. Um, but that the restrictions will be eased on the 5th. And Dr. Holohan came out yesterday and suggested that maybe restrictions may not actually be eased on the 5th of May and not to have any expectations. And Simon Harris has said that the next 12 days are imperative that we really focus on uh, 
doing what we're told, kicking ass at fighting the virus. So they're, that's kind of where we're at in that sense. Yeah, I heard our um, our former podcast guest, uh, Pete Lunn from the ESRI on Sean O'Rourke this morning and uh, talking about the kind of behaviour of it and are people getting antsy or people getting restless? And yeah, that's probably true and it's probably very natural. I think that... Um, Anybody thinking that there's going to be a wide scale lifting of restrictions uh, on that May deadline probably needs to just, you know, not get their hopes up, let's say. Find a new banana bread recipe. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Have you tried white chocolate chips in your (laughs) banana bread? Try hazelnut Um, instead of walnut. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What else is going on? Um, Also going on, Shauna Rook that you just mentioned there is retiring in May which is in mm-hmm. a few days. Uh, all healthcare workers now have to wear masks. Um, as is very upsetting, as we've watched all the um, festivals announce that they're not going ahead, summer gatherings have been banned till September 1st. And like, let's be honest, it's going to go past September 1st. Um, but it will be interesting, like there was a gig announced today for December and I was just like, really? Do you really think that's going ahead? But let's, be optimistic. Let's see. Let's see um, what's going to happen. After our uh, government formation, uh, Fine Gael, Fianna Fáil framework document uh, conversation last week with Emma Kerwin, which is a really great conversation with Emma. And listen back if you haven't listened already. Um, the Green Party have come out with their 17 demands, um, not to be confused with 21 demands, Code Alliance, former uh, moniker. Anyone remember that from Eurostar? Just me. Cool. Uh, so the Green, Green Party has 17 demands um, that, you know, that have to be fulfilled, um, including 7% reduction in carbon emissions each year, a new social contract, development of national land use, blah, blah, blah. Loads of green stuff. So, you know, that's I still wonder, going. I are they all going government. to go into government together? Um, I still think that it'll be... Uh, Fine Gael, Fianna Fáil, uh, and load of independence. Um, but maybe, I mean, if anybody's going to go in, it's the Greens. Um, Eminence so threatened to go in. Yeah. <laughs> um, Any other news? The two other pieces of news. One is very depresso martini. Uh, bookies are slashing odds that Conor McGregor is to become the next president of Ireland. I do not just know where to go with that. I literally am like, are you bananas? As I think it's probably it. bookies His, are bore, bored, basically. <laughs> well, those speeches he's making and, oh God, he like, I can't even, I'm not even going there. Another bananas thing that happened, the Phoenix magazine advertised a position for an intern um, and part of the, what they were looking for was five years experience. Um, for an unpaid intern position, five years journalistic experience. Um, and they had just laid off one of their staff members. And um, then they came out and said, oh, my God, it's so embarrassing. So embarrassing. What a gaffe we made. That was like a misprint. And then people were coming back on Twitter going, then why were you responding to applicants saying, yes, it is unpaid. <laughs> and yes, you do need five years. It was just, <laughs> what the fuck? Stinger. You've been caught rapid. Um, and just, I suppose, the irony, because that is something that the Phoenix would take much joy in reporting on, and it's a story that they would chase. So, uh, sting away. You, get, you reap what you sow. And I think. And now it's time for the Corona Correction. 
You left out Simon Harris's Insta content there and you know I sweat my arm for that. Yeah, I, I kind of put that in and then I was like, I, d- I don't know if I want to go through this conversation. Come on, I want to come on, come on. No, no, we're going to go to the Corona correction. <laughs> okay, take the it away corona, then. The Corona correction, uh, we've got two little Corona corrections uh, this week. Um, Milan is reallocating a lot of its road space and street space to prioritise walking and cycling. So they're taking um, the opportunity uh, that the lockdown has presented with them to kind of rethink the design uh, of their city centre and try and move some of the cars out of it. And I think apart from this being good, obviously, on paper, I think it just shows that there will be opportunities for redesigning loads of different systems um, coming out of this because we're going to have to uh, think about design in terms of, um, you know, pandemic proofing our societies and within that then you might as well do loads of other cool shit like while you're while you're doing that you know so I think that there's uh, that's a good corona correction that we're seeing. I was really impressed with the fact that they were sitting down and going okay how do we start planning a better city and it feels like that's something that we just don't get in Dublin. Yeah there's a lot of that kind of stuff happening in Italy I guess they're kind of ahead of us too uh, in terms of um, the initial impact of the pandemic and the devastation that it that has, has caused there. But I do think that, yeah, I think that, that this is something that we should be thinking about. It shouldn't be about like, oh, when can we have the leaving cert? You know, it should be about, okay, now that that's paused for a second, how about we like redesign this really fucking stressful exam? You know, or, you know, uh, when are we going to, like the, even the little, uh, traffic cones widening the paths it's like okay well how do we actually make the roads better and how do we have you know proper cycling lanes that are just much safer you know we can start thinking about all of these things like look at the importance that like public space is providing at this time how do we embed that further into our city yada yada so our other corona correction uh, one of my faves baby leatherback sea turtles are doing better than they have in years in uh, Thailand in particular because people are basically not really on the beaches um, there's massive um, increase in uh, the nests and the little baby leatherback turtles which are quite rare Uh, so there you go stay off the beaches get more turtles that is something I am into So yes, our main our main uh, part of this podcast is basically something that is very dear to our hearts. Uh, festivals are our natural habitat, and we know that loads of yous enjoy them as well. Um, Ireland is a massive live music uh, market, so it's pretty devastating to come to terms uh, with a festival free summer. Um, and our own disappointments as punters really kind of pale in comparison to the hardship and head melt being experienced by festival organisers, by bookers, promoters, artists, crews, agents, concession stand workers, security, um, the massive ecosystem of a festival and all the work that goes into it. And we work at festivals too. So it's it's impacting things beyond the artists you think of, podcasters, journalists, poets, theatre makers, craft industry, wellness industry, all of those things. Um, so the impact of the pandemic on the live music industry generally has obviously been massive. Uh, like a lot of work, it's seasonal. Many crews and so on make the guts of their income from festival season, uh, whether that's security or stage builders and designers, artist liaisons, food stands, private transport, all that kind of stuff. And we're going to look at things from an organizer's perspective and an artist's perspectives perspective with Body and Soul boss woman Avril Stanley and one of Ireland's um, 
fave DJs and producers and our pal, uh, Crystal Clear, Dak Lennon. So Avril Stanley is the boss woman uh, behind Body and Soul, um, a much loved Irish festival of music and arts and obviously body and soul as well. Um, And one of the festivals, uh, one of the kind of high profile festivals that like so many others um, have had to press pause for the summer. Um, Avril, how are you doing? Um, How am I doing? Uh, A little shaky and uh, I'm okay, albeit shaky. (laughs) Uh, at what point did you realize festivals were going to be badly hit? Um, well, that's an interesting question. I think it's come in waves. You know, there's been moments where um, I couldn't really see, none of us can see where the future was going really. But in truth, I guess Glastonbury aside, um, which was, you know, they canceled on the 18th of March. Europe hadn't seen any major 2020 festivals cancel before the end of March and into kind of the middle of April, with the exception of Coachella and Bonnaroo in the States. So um, I felt quite heartened by that. There was uh, 60 different European festivals um, gathered together, including Roskilde, Primavera, Exit, Melt, um, and made an official statement on, I think it was the 20th of March, that where they were, it was about festivals standing together. It was festivals stand united across Europe, where they saw themselves continuing with the festivals that summer um, because they felt they were a crucial part in the survival of the industry. And I have to say, when I saw that come out, I felt very heartened. I felt like there was a sense of like, we'll get through this. We're going to get out the other side. June will happen. But in truth, when we started to see what was happening in Europe and the various different governments that were stepping in to ban festivals up into the end of August, I felt like, um, you know, it was only a matter of time before our government would make the same um, announcements. And what kind of conversations were you having with people before Body and Cell was cancelled with the people who work on the festivals and other festivals? Well, in, in Ireland, very few conversations in truth, because there's very few promoters in Ireland when it comes to commercially owned larger scale gatherings. Um, but, you know, we did have various discussions with with, with people, um, particularly the independent festivals as to where people were at. And, and most importantly, with our own team, where, you know, in truth, the reality of it is without without having some kind of direction from the government, we were all a little bit blind, blindfold. We were, we were at a standstill mm-hmm. where you can't you can't actually even look at postponing your festival if you don't know that you need to cancel your festival. So in truth, and I think this is the same for all of Europe and, and most likely all of the world, even if even when we spoke to one another, we all reached the same conclusion where there was just this feeling of just not knowing what the future held and being in such unprecedented circumstances that it was really hard to have a plan. So from our perspective, you know, we did the best of our ability to stay on top of our workload. We continued to progress the festival whilst at the same time, you know, we had like you know, all of our programs were ready to be delivered. Um, everything from, you know, spoken word through to comedy, the wellbeing program, our next lineup announcement was all sitting there waiting to be done, but it felt utterly tone deaf to be ringing a bell saying, you know, you know, look at what we're presenting to you this year. Look at, look at the amazing talent and, and the vast array of creativity that we want to um, showcase to everybody. So we had to sit on a lot of that, get it ready and get it to the point where we could launch it. But at the same time, we couldn't hit the go button because it just felt hugely insensitive to what was happening in the wider climate at the time. 
you know, what what are th- I'm interested like that kind of limbo period of like waiting for government to say or to instruct. Like what are the logistic parts of taking instruction from government versus cancelling something yourself? Like I would imagine loads of stuff around insurance and things like that come into play. Um I, I think there's a bit of a myth around that in truth, Una. The the only place where I see um insurance really coming into play, and it's different for every festival. I mean, I've had people say, Oh my god, you're so lucky the festival the government's cancelled all festivals, now you can enjoy the summer. And you're like, well, no, actually, now we're at the very beginning of mitigating losses. Like as a festival, we've been producing body and soul for eight months now. Like we're ready to go on site. Our next our next phase is to build a temple and to start to do all of the groundwork. So in truth, the reality of it is when, when it's something like a force majeure, which is what happens when the government steps in, um, the decision is taken out of your hands. And an example of that is, for example, with artists, contracts, you know, we haven't cancelled on them, they haven't cancelled on us. So it opens the potential as to whether you want some of the same acts for the 2020 bill, whether the agents will honour the bookings, whether the artist is free on those specific dates, but it doesn't in any way mitigate the reality of having to cancel a show. You can't turn back the clock on the eight months of work that's gone into creating, you know, the, your the event at that point in time, and and you can't open the gates, you know, on 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 the nineteenth of June to invite your guests into into what you've been working on. So, in a way, you know, because we're dealing with such a huge crisis and COVID nineteen has has impacted the entire world. I, my sense is that there's there's a lot of support out there and that there's a lot of appreciation that everybody has on all levels of life that we're actually all in this together and we have to work together to find our way out of it. Um, so, you know, from the government's perspective, it made it clear to us that we couldn't postpone the festival. It was a real kind of line in the sand around that's that, you know, there's no there's no point in us looking to do August. And in truth, I really don't see there being much merit in looking to do September at this point in time either, because this initiative around 5000 capacity, like what's the difference between 5000 people camping for a weekend and 10,000 people camping for a weekend when you're when you're dealing with a contagious um, virus? It's it's so ambiguous and so unknown that I think in a way what it offered us was that, that that kind of line in the sand to go okay we're here now and 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 this is where we are like there's no there's nowhere else to be other than here and we need to face it to the best of our ability and now that you've faced that what are the steps that you're going to take do you think or have you gotten to that point um to move into the future and what what you're going to do to claw back those eight months of work that's been done to bring it to the next festival. Do you, like, how do you think festivals are going to navigate through this moment? And will we see things coming back with a bang or will it be more scaled down or how do you, yeah, how do you move forward from those eight months of work? Um, well, in truth, I think when something like it's very hard to know, you know, my concern is for the independent market that that isn't part of a larger conglomerate, um, because without support, very, very few will survive. Um, You know, from a personal perspective, I feel like our island needs festivals now more than ever. But we also need community and to wake up to the bigger picture of the world around us. So in, in, in truth, you know, I can't speak on behalf of any other festival, but I know from our perspective even to look at 2021, uh, of course, there will be a body and soul in 2021, but I couldn't tell you right now what kind of body and soul that's going to be. Um, I, I guess I, I track back to where we came from. Like body and soul was launched in the last recession in response to what we felt people needed at the time. It was our creative way to respond to what was happening then. 
Um, and from that, you know, the pillars of the festival, which are purpose, sustainability, well-being, culture, family, music, you know, all of those, they all kind of came out of that organically and naturally, as well as us wanting to throw a huge party because it felt like we really needed it at that point in time because everybody was on their knees on the other side of the recession. So in truth, you know, we're back there again. We're in this another momentous kind of point in our life. And of course, we look to artists to 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 their response to that and to our response to that into and for me this is the question that I'm sitting with and I don't have an answer to it yet but it, it it's what what is the festival of the future because in truth festivals have started they've changed since I got into festival business you know but um they're becoming really big money they're becoming very headline driven they're becoming about bigger numbers and the biggest wow factor and and in truth I, I think that's the that's the place where I feel like none of that has any merit right now what we really want and what's important to us is is connection, you know, is 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 gathering together and and sharing a sense of like mindedness and uh, and creating community in a really positive way and representing Irish culture in its many different guises in a, in a, in as progressive a way as we possibly can. Like that's what it speaks to me of, um, and mm. and using this opportunity, it's it's kind of like you know what you know the pause button has been hit and it's not just hit in me and you, it's hit in all of us. What, what do we want to come out of this? Like, who do we want to be on the other side of this? There, there's, there's a lot of death. There's a huge amount of grief. And within that, there's also that sense of like, there, there is an opportunity to plant some new seeds. And what, what are those seeds? What are they for body and soul? What are they for um, Vantastable? What are they for altogether now? What are they for anyone who's in this industry? Who do you want to be? How do you want to show up? What's important to you? It sounds like you're, I mean, you always have such um, smart things to say, Avril, but like, you know, I think that while it might feel very kind of overwhelming right now, like for me, festivals like Body and Soul are much, are better posi- positioned to respond, you know, very authentically and meaningfully to this experience in the future, um, as opposed to um, a more kind of commercially driven, obviously everything is ultimately commercially driven, but something that's um, not as like blockbuster or something like that. But I was just thinking from like a personal point of view, considering that you bring your own like experience and thoughts and philosophies to the work, like what kind of things is this moment throwing up for you personally, like learnings, teachings, messages? Personally, I mean, when you say personally, do you mean for me in my life or for me in my life as I respond to body and soul? I think for you in your life, like what, what do you, what do you think? What's the last thing you're thinking of at night? Um, I'm thinking of, well, you know, the thing that's been with me so much for the past few months, certainly since, you know, the middle of March has been this huge sense of the duty of care that we have for our audience, for our attendees, for our staff, for the collaborators, for the people that have been part of Body and Soul. There's that huge sense of like, you know, where am I going? Where are we going? What's next? What sustains us? What's important? So, I mean, that's just been a huge theme for me recently. And also the polarity between, and, you know, it's quite ironic that Body and Soul is called Body and Soul. Like it's, it's about, it's about the polarities, just the polarity of life and death and beginnings and endings and, and the impermanence of everything in our lives. So in truth, what it brings up most for me is around impermanence and the fact that, you know, we can get lost sometimes to thinking I can get lost sometimes to thinking that I'm always going to be here and that, you know, there'll always be a tomorrow when, when in truth there, there may and there may not be, um, something I've noticed a lot of people comment on. And I haven't had that experience a lot myself recently because I've been so consumed with 
the festival and trying to navigate such unknown territory. But um, it's it's around having moments to press pause and to be grateful for what we have, not what we haven't. Um, to take um, some time with my son, with my partner, to be in nature, like just the, the, the simple things that in truth I, I was having less and less in time for because like everybody else, I'm caught in the hamster wheel. We're all part of the hamster wheel that we're collectively co-creating. So from, from my own perspective, it is that place of like, if you can, if I can, you know, and it will be a while because I've got a bit of madness in front of me that I have to navigate first, but, but, but to really take a moment in time to reflect, to really like own this time and this place as an opportunity for it to be a turning point in all of our collective lives and to deepen more into like the truth of who we really are, not who we think we should be or who other people want us to be or what the world asks of us or what our boss asks of us or our partners ask of us or life asks of us, you know, not that, but a deeper tapping into who, you know, what's important for me in my life and, and, and who do I want to be? And I think that that's the question to be asked right now because we're really in such a time of change and from t change can come really positive revolutions. I, I would hate to think that on the other side of this, we would do a body and soul 2021 that was, that was going to be the same as the body and soul 2020. Like I'd hope from it that something meaningful comes and that we're able to invite people into what that is and open up the conversation around what that is for other people so it's not just us on our own ego trip amazing thank you I so much that's... for um yeah go on andrea there you go <laughs> go on okay <laughs> but that's that's just really profound and really valuable and very instructive um and you know i know it's it's probably a bit of a wild time so stay strong and uh you know, so many people love and support this festival and um, we'll all be there waiting at the gates when it's back on. I'm going to hold you to that, Una and Andrea <laughs> and everybody listening. <laughs> Thank you, guys. It's really nice to talk. Big love. And to you. So Crystal Clear is one of Ireland's uh, most successful electronic music artists who lives between New York, Dublin and uh, more uh, appropriately, I suppose, on the road, uh, playing clubs and festivals all over the world. Um, and we're just really interested to talk to Crystal Clear Deck, uh, whom we, whom, who very kindly lent us um, one of his tracks for our theme music uh, back when we were uh, starting this podcast, just about the impact that this is happening on DJs, on clubs, um, from bookings to the interruption in, in lifestyle to how uh, we can transition out of this and how the live music industry can get it, get back together. Uh, Deck, thanks a for joining us. Hiya, how's it going? Good. <laughs> Tell probably us worth mention. Probably worth mentioning to the listeners that we're all we all know each other, so this is even more. Yeah, we surreal. do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> we'll be keeping it very formal and professional. Thank you very much. Super professional. Yeah. How's everyone getting on out there? Now, Declan Lennon, could you tell me how you're feeling and how Corona has impacted on your life and your lifestyle and your emotions and everything? What's the buzz? Mm. Um, what is the buzz? I guess, um, like, I'm a mel melting ball of empathy, I'll tell you that, for nothing. I'm, like, emotional <laughs> to a level. And, Andre, you know me well enough to know I'm emo as it is, but, like, this is, like, new levels of emotion that are just... I just want to look after everyone. I guess, for me, 
to bring it to like more serious note, like I'm back in my family home in Ireland. We're all together um, in the grand scheme of things. We're all safe and without a shadow of a doubt, we're in really fortunate circumstances. So I guess like I'm just oozing with gratuity. Like I feel extremely grateful for my circumstances more so than ever before. I think like what this pandemic has done is it starts to make you seriously appreciate so many things you take for granted um more so things that are actually you're using now on your daily lifestyle within this pandemic as opposed to what you're missing out on like i'm not so much thinking about oh i'd love to be having beers or a pint in grogan's or like djing necessarily as more than like i'm really lucky to have food that i can cook and eat or the simple pleasures, like I can sit with my family and watch a film. I have a roof over my head, like knowing and hearing some stories from around the world, friends of mine whose relatives have died from this disease, friends of mine who are absolutely crippled and paralyzed financially. I guess it's just really made me look at my glass and realize that it's not even half full, it's fucking massively full. So I think this has been a really refreshing period. It's like a mental cleanse that I... I know it was a meme or not even a meme, like a little image that kind of went round where it's like mother earth has sent us in the corner to think about what we've done. And I kind of think that's resonated with me a bit because I'm at least thinking a lot more about the things that really matter in my life as opposed to the nonsense that I would whinge about all the time. Andrea can vouch that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> when, when, when festivals were starting to be pulled or and the clubs were closing and things were shutting down around Europe, around the US, what kind of conversations were you having with um, your management or with different agents? Like, was it very obvious straight away that this was going to basically shut down um, mo- for temporarily your career and the career of your peers, various DJs around the world? Yeah, I mean, for me... Um, I'm like the eternal optimistic pessimist. So I'm constantly battling the lines of sure we'll get there, but no chance we will get there. Um, so like with this, um, essentially when it occurred, I just knew straight away. I like, I was like, um, uh, damage limitation to an extent. Like the second it happened, I was like, right. What, like, you know, I, I immediately, my manager got kind of pissed, not pissed off at all. She was just laughing. She was like, you're so relaxed about like what seemingly is crumbling around you. And I was like, well, you know, I've spent so much of my life worrying about what ifs. And now I know like that there's no point in worrying about what if. So for me, I so I just realized that there's two ways I can look at this. Granted, like I won't be standing in a DJ booth potentially for six months in all reality, um, maybe longer, maybe less, I guess none of us really know. But for me, I kind of stepped back and thought to myself, right, well, I've got two options here. Number one, I can like, you know, get really depressed about this booze loads and like whinge and complain and stress and be agitated and like try to jump on my virtual soapbox and scream and roar about this is an issue. Or I can see it as possibly an opportunity that I've been looking for, for, I think since the last time me and Una had a formal conversation about professional stuff, which was in my studio, like where I wasn't on the road, wasn't in three countries every week, wasn't living this stupid lifestyle between balancing New York and Dublin. And for me as just sole individual, my 
things, the things that I want to achieve have changed. And perhaps the lifestyle that I was living up until seven weeks ago, it just wouldn't have been possible. So I kind of saw, see it and do at the time and still as like a huge opportunity, presuming that I can get my resources together. Um, what are those changes? Like, with the changes, I guess, I suppose, are just professionally and artistically what I want to cre- create because I think I have a lot of potential in areas of my creative field that I don't utilize because the truth of the matter is, is that, and Andrea knows this very well because we talk so regularly, like I'll go say, for example, and do like four gigs in a week and say, for example, hypothetically, one of them has to, happens to include me going on a bender off the back of it. Say I play in Germany or France or somewhere and I DJ till eight, nine in the morning have a few drinks and then don't really sleep. And then I fly to the next place and what have you. Then I get back to Ireland or New York on maybe the Tuesday. And then I probably have a remix deadline because that's another lucrative way to make money. And I like doing remixes. So it is what it is. And then that all of that taken, you know, multiply that with my personal life, which I obviously want to have then like multiply that with the fact that you're fucking exhausted and you're possibly concerned, at least I am because I battle with constant body dysmorphia about my appearance. And then you put all these things together and then to actually think about logical steps towards the stuff that you want to achieve just is impossible. And this is what I've learned within the last seven weeks, because the level of clarity I have about the things that I want to achieve is bananas. Like it's honestly like new birth stuff. So the things that I want to do, I don't think would be possible within that previous lifestyle. Do you know what I mean? It's it's interesting what you're saying there, because I think a lot of people are having um, these kind of periods of reflection. Um, but we know that, you know, the touring circuit, um, unless you m- manage to get in a, in a very particularly privileged position, does not necessarily lend itself to... Um, you know, being able to like be Zen in your studio for months at a time and then, you know, cherry pick a couple of gigs that you want to play, like that's probably not financially stable. So how do you think that the design of the industry, the design of a touring DJ or producer who is in demand can change after this as clubs, you know, open back up if they do, when they do? Well, first year, just as a probably a precursor I should have said at the beginning of this is that because we're all entrapped and I'm a bit of a waffler I'm just going to end up talking and talking because it's like an actual real conversation with other people and and stuff (laughs) um so excuse me to anyone who's already switched off because I'm rambling but the truth of the matter is is I think just solely within my industry I think it's opened up a lot of people's eyes that number one fuck I make money from gigging I'm not gigging how am I making money what are my other options? Do I have a bachelor degree in sitting at home and working on the computer? Well, probably not. That's not really real. So the fact of the matter is, is that it's made a lot of us realize that I think you have to develop an enterprising solution aside from your monetary gains from gigging. And also, if ever we just thought we were like creative artists and what have you, that now is a load of bollocks because we really need to become a little bit more business-like, you know, the business person. Because fundamentally, 
artists since the beginning of time have been getting raped by the powers that be and that hasn't really changed now the truth of the matter is is that outside of spotify if you've signed a record deal or you're doing a touring deal or you have an agent deal or whatever you've signed that piece of paper you read the terms and conditions if you misread something that's pure bad luck if your lawyer scanks you and feel even worse for you but ultimately you signed a piece of paper Spotify are obviously crucifying artists in terms of the money that they're receiving from the end of the work that they are putting on their site, what have you. So now we've got touring money gone, simple. We've got Spotify money, which perhaps if you're on a grand day and you are maybe coming away with like decent checks, nothing in the ratio of what they should be, but you're getting checks. But if you are underground DJ makes house and techno or you're a low level pop producer, what have you, you're now really, really, really concerned. And if you haven't been potentially thinking about the rainy day fund or what you need to do in preparation of something like this happening, yeah, you're you're fucked. Ultimately, you could be in a really difficult position. That's the harsh reality of it. Um, And I think it's... You know, and Una, we discussed like mental health elements of this before. Like, as we all know, like financially, like it can cut you apart in, in no matter what it is you do. I think in the world we live in, if your resources and finances are cut beneath you, you're put in a position of stress that creates manic problems all around your life from depression to reaching for the bottle or what have you. So I think like, yeah, this circumstance is definitely really serious for, and I I say this not acting like I'm any higher. I mean like fellow low level creatives for sure. Do you think that this might be the opportunity for the music industry to change, that the change we've been talking about all the time to focus on artists and the the people who are making the work getting the proper credit and financial credit they deserve? And I suppose what Corona has done is focus on how much we use creatives from music, from TV, from film, and how much we depend on it right now. And could this be the opportunity to flip the music industry? I want people listening to this, if you still are, to feel good. But the reality is, is my answer to that question is no. I think um, if you look at budget schemes around the world, just to take like uh, analogy as an example, creative people are generally at the bottom end of the spectrum of concern. And that is exactly the same way changes in people's choices will generally be made as this pandemic goes on. Like if you were to sit down 20 people and ask them, give me your five major concerns you want to change in your lifestyle. The last one they're going to say is, well, I want to buy all my music from the artists and not use Spotify. It's not really going to happen. Um, yeah, I, I just, I, I would like in an ideal world to think that something could change. Um, you know, I saw Blind Boy getting a lot of shit online because of some remarks that he was making about like how the government need to kind of look out for um, for the creative population of Ireland um, in a similar similar way that Germany did. And there was just a lot of, you know, ein or whatever coming at him being like, Oh, man with a plastic bag wants money. What a fucking surprise. Blah, blah, blah. And the truth is that he's, he's entirely correct because the irony is, I was explaining this to my mom, is that like 
the, the you know the economist wankers who are there having a go at him, are, who are dancing at Lansdowne Road, you know, in their corporate boxes, neck and their points to the music that probably some fella who was twenty years old made in his back garden. You know what I mean? Like creative creative output has always led to to things ultimately being better. And I think if it's disenfranchised and not you know concerned about, then you know the world is just going to be great. Mm. Um, excellent points there, Dak. Before we let you go, obviously you've got a massive connection to New York. You spend a lot of time there, um, and all of the stuff that we're hearing coming out of it is very worrying and kind of scary and it's hard to grasp what's going on. Are you hearing um, stuff, like what are you hearing from your pals on the ground over there about what the vibe is and even in terms of like the atmosphere or or how people are coping with it? Ghost town, pretty much. I mean, like, uh, yeah, really, really crap, to be honest with you. Like a lot of friends of mine, like... (sighs) America's from the outside looking in. I've not been there while this is going on. Like it's fucked. I mean, especially like the major cities. And New York is as bad as like I asked my friends, like, listen, is it as bad as the press are making it out? They're like, Yeah, it's really bad. I mean, like, people are still walking around and stuff, but I think the problem with America, and this is that's a total <laughs> you don't you'd need twenty One years sentence. of podcasts. <laughs> but my opinion is like on the populate on, on America is that they're fed so many different forms of information. And then there's people who are fed no information at all because there's so much poverty and there's so many people on welfare and living on the streets that they're not told like wash your fucking hands and like all of these things, you know what I'm saying? So it's, it's spread to a point now where I just don't know when or how they're going to possibly turn it around until the vaccine is clear. Um, uh, and America and New York specifically, it's a really dark place. My friends who are living there, they're all planning exit strategies for as soon as they know that they've got the antibody perhaps or what have you. Um, I mean, a sad story I only heard this morning is a friend of mine, Ari, the disease broke into his father's old folks home and killed 80% of the people in it, inclu- including his father. I mean, I've heard that for bodies that aren't being... Um, claimed they're doing mass graves all being just chucked in on top of each other like um, it's grim it's really frightening look I mean a friend of mine God rest his soul a good close friend of mine John Myers died in LA um, he had an aneurysm it wasn't COVID related but his family live in Jersey and you know he's going to be in a coroner's office until we can work this out you know it's, it's nuts over there it's crazy ha- how are you, are you glad to be back in, in Dublin right now then? I oh, couldn't be happier. I couldn't honestly be happier. I mean, like, I think just being with my family has just given me a lot of relief. And it's not because, and God forbid, touch wood, it's not because I'm sat here thinking that, like, it's going to affect Ireland the same way it's affected New York. That's just not going to happen. And um, I just... In, I think when you see a lot of people around you that you even know, like, you know, when you see suffering adverts online from perhaps like a troker advert to a cancer research advert, sometimes if you haven't been affected by those things, it doesn't really hit you as much, you know? And I think right now, like knowing so many people who are really drastically affected by this, I just am really glad to be close to the people that I really care about because 
you know, it makes you, it makes you think that life is short and God forbid anything was to happen to them. And I was on the other side of the world. I just wouldn't forgive myself. Well, listen, Deck, we're, we're glad to have you home too. Um, and thanks so much for that insight. It's really, really great. And take care of yourself and looking forward to hearing uh, your, the outbursts of, of creativity and reflection and contemplation this period allows you. Absolutely. Well, look, I hope everyone listening is safe. Sending you all love. Thank you, Una, Andrea. I'll talk to you soon and hopefully see you soon. What's getting in the sea this week, Andrea? This week, Una, we've kind of done it before, but it's getting out of control. So we're going for it again. Like, it's it's happening. The two-kilometer Stasi. The 2K Stasi, a.k.a. People are losing their minds about keeping to the rules. Now, I we are obviously both big advocates of the rules and knowing why these rules are in place and why we need to follow Absolutely. them and how important yeah. they are. However, I've seen, I've seen tweets of people being like, there's people in queues arguing over people being like not two kilometers away or not two kilometers, two, two, whatever, or a meter, two meters. Jesus Christ, Andrea, come on. But like, it's like, that's actually one inch shorter than it should, or longer than it should be. Could you like, I need this to be an inch shorter. Or there was another one of, uh, I saw something, I actually can't say that. I don't know who they are. Um, but there's been like people who've been like, where are why are all these people not in their houses they should know this is happening if they were in their house because they're not in their house it's like maybe they're in work babes or maybe they moved down to the their family home or maybe they're walking their dog or maybe they're whatever what like maybe it's none of your business maybe it's none of your fucking business and to the point where today i saw um uh there was talk of an have a website where you could dob your neighbours in if they were breaking the rules. Get out of here. Yeah. And Leah Bragg, I think it was Leah Bragger had to come out and be like, we don't really want to get into a situation where we're dobbing in our fucking neighbours. Like, we're all talking about being in this together. But like, even people being like, I was, I saw people sit down for one moment in the park. Oh my God. Do you think that that's going to super spread Corona? No, it's not. They're just sitting down in the park and you may have a balcony or a garden and be delighted with your sunshine and planting your rocket and baking your banana bread. But not everyone has that situation. And maybe they want to feel the grass under their feet for five seconds. So give them a fucking break and shut the fuck up. Get off Twitter and maybe read a book or maybe listen to some calming, soothing music. Maybe you need to listen to our new episode on Sunday of the Sunday Soothe because you are getting losing control of life and you actually need to get in the fucking sea i don't really have any strong thoughts about this at all oh my gosh well yeah please tune in to the sunday soon <laughs> maybe i need the sunday soon more than anyone else Oh, babes God. we all we all need the sunday soon at this stage <laughs> but yeah the 2k stasi don la mer Oh, um, Jatvas <laughs> in uh, what's C in German again? Z, I believe. S E E, no? Okay, moving on from that little <laughs> continental flourish. Fave bits this week. I have two fave bits. Uh, uh, number one in my fave bits is Wine Lab. Not that I'm encouraging excessive um, alcohol consumption during the lockdown. And of course, 
dry life, Andrea Horan, dry quarry life. (laughs) On her high horse, I can feel the shade emanating from Dublin Eight. (laughs) Anyway, if you want to support an in you know a local you know independent business, Wine Lab uh, generally uh, deliver wine to restaurants uh, in the Greater Dublin area, but they are pivoting uh, in this climate to home deliveries. And basically, what you do is you go on their website, WineLab.ie. Uh, they sell bottles, like six bottles uh, per package. And you can pick one that's like, you know, everyday wine vibes. I think it's 55 euro for six or the uh, classics, which is 70. And then it goes up. So however much money you have or however you can pull with your housemates or whatever. And you put in what kind of like variations of wine that you like. Um, so you might like a little Cab Franc like myself or some Poulian uh, wine, sun-kissed Southern Italy type uh, inky vibes as well. That's allowed. <laughs> Um, and then you put that in and they send you a selection that kind of correlates to your taste and I got mine the other day and all of the bottles were fat well, not I drank them all right. oh my gosh I have not I have oh my god one would you ever I have opened they look amazing they seem amazing to my unsophisticated non-sommelier eye uh, and I opened one bottle Nice little Montepulciano number. Choo-choo and I drank banana, that. As we call Some it. of it. Choo choo banana. And it was delish. So uh, check out Wine Lab. Um, they are great. My other fave bit is this weekend, the Irish Times magazine um, uh, has a cover story by Alan Batson, which uh, is on the front line. He spent a day in St. Vincent's Hospital. Amazing photographer um, and really, really well worth picking up. And also in the Irish Times mag at the weekend. Uh, I've got an article on Normal People, uh, the TV adaptation of Sally Rooney's monstrously successful novel. The TV adaptation is really uh, something to behold. Um, And I've spent, I think I spent about 10 months um, putting this piece together uh, with all kind of interviews with all the cast and crew and with Lenny Abramson, with Sally Rooney and different writers and the leads Uh, and all that kind of stuff. So I'm in it as well tomorrow. Are you? What are you in it for? How to cope. What are you in for? How to cope in a COVID crisis. Well, yeah, I mean, if that's not yet another reason to pick up the Irish Times magazine tomorrow, I don't know what is. So, yeah, there's going to be great eating and drinking in it. Great reading in that, guys. So that's my fave bit. Andrea, uh, hit me with your fave bits, as Pat Benatar once said. I am really struggling to find fave bits this week because I feel I don't know what I'm doing all the time. My days are flying by. I wake up and then suddenly it's like I'm. It's quarter to twelve, and I'm like, I better go to bed. I don't know what I've done all day, but I've done shit. But anyway, the bits I found, I'm really enjoying baked stuff bartering, which is uh, when you have something that you've baked and somebody else. Uh, I can't believe I'm explaining what baked stuff bartering is, and somebody <laughs> else has baked stuff, and then you barter. That's called baked stuff bartering. <laughs> Um, I just love that. Wow, I would ne- never have guessed. I, I know, it's just such a unclear, there's no clue in the title. Anyway, I'm absolutely loving that. I think it's just, just warms the cockles of my community-driven heart. Um, so that is that. Then, like, I am not a watcher of, I don't watch things. I don't watch Netflix. I don't know what I do with my time, but I have stuff on in the background. Um whenever I'm doing whatever is taking up all my time. And my favorite thing is when you're watching 
uh, Channel 4 and a grand designs comes on that you haven't seen, it's like you've hit the jackpot mm, because I yeah. adore Kevin McLeod. I love how snarky kind of is. And he's just like, oh, you think you're going to build that for like 20p? Yeah, we do, Kevin. <laughs> he's like, you're definitely not. And then you also are looking at it and go, well, how is this yoga teacher in Oxford building this mansion that is like the size of the Ilex Centre for 200 grand? Um, it's just... <laughs> The, it blows my mind. I love it so much. It just is just such a warm hug to my life. And then my final warm Did hug. Did you watch the world's most amazing houses on Netflix? That's pretty no. good. I, I might. Yeah, it's good. I just never. I'm a big Grand Designs fan. Oh, I, I, I think there's something about the, the comfort of the familiarity of it. Like the, the narrative is uh, so regimented. Mm. It's like people have a grand design and then um, basically things start going wrong. And yeah. he just stands outside, you know, in wellies in uh, beside a mixer going, and with a baby on the way and the place not yet watertight, I'm wondering if they're going to get in by Christmas. And then there's just this wretched, right. like fucking posh English people like living in a little mobile home beside their house going, why did we do this? We hate each other. It's I very, think as well, uh, given that I'm in, the, like, I'm halfway through a build that can has to stop building, I'm really resonating with a lot of the. So coronavirus has hit, and she has built half her house. What's going to happen next? Oh, that's a fun question. Uh, yes, yeah, <laughs> so that's, that's fun. Um, and then my final thing is uh, Ruth Measure. I, I can't pronounce it. Measurebur. The Ruth Medjabur, yeah. Medjabur. The photographer, um, yeah. Yes, I ordered a print from her, which was a disco ball that reflected a scene of love sensation in it. And when I saw that picture, I was like, oh my God, you need to do this as a print. I would adore it. And she did eventually um, when she launched her store. And it arrived the other day and it just back, brought back every single joyous decision I've ever made in my life to go to a festival or to go to a gig or to book a flight for one night to go to Bergen or to go and see Deck in Paris when I couldn't afford it. And I was like, just fuck it, just do it. And all of that was summed up when I saw that print. And I especially love that it kind of looks like the world. And I suppose to me, it is the world when you see the reflection of the sesh in a disco ball. Oh, it just, it just makes me so happy. And that's what I've really come out of Corona, really realizing how important it is to do the things that bring you joy. Speaking of things that bring you joy, what can we do or support this week? Yeah, we've kind of pivoted again in our what to do this week into this week instead of what you can do to entertain yourself, what you can do to help those who might need it. Uh, first up is an initiative from Peter McFerry Trust called Locks for Keys. And what they are asking is, as you can't make your way to the hairdressers to get your hair done, and I'm seeing some very beautiful uh, hairstyles from men as their mops are growing out, but um, they are asking you to donate the price of a haircut um, or to shave your head or to auction your locks to raise funds um, to, give peace, to give keys to people who are exiting homelessness and to help them and also to support people in their homes during and after COVID-19. And I have a lot of, I love Peter McCrary Trust. I think what they do is amazing. So I always would try to support them. So if you can uh, look up their 
website. Another thing is part one of Incognito 20, which was an online art auction, went on sale this morning at 10 a.m. with 1,800 pieces that sold for 50 euro and it sold out in 15 minutes. And that is in aid of Jack and Jill Foundation, which is another charity that I would always uh, try and do They what I can. They um, help uh, very sick children and give palliative care for them. So um, I would... Uh, they are probably going to have a part two. And I had two pieces of artwork in that that sold out. So I'm now a sold out artist. Uh, Sell out. Or sold out, bitch. Uh, (laughs) Another thing is the Scoop Foundation. Um, They are raising money for PPE for nursing homes and people living in direct provision. So you can find the Scoop Foundation on Facebook and they have been uh, as the money's been raised, they've been getting the stuff into the hands of people who really need it um, in the nursing homes and direct provision. And I just want to do a little cute aside on this. I think it, like, I'm not going to go into it too much, but it, it's just the fact that community is having to find uh, PPE for these places when it should be covered by um, the people who should be covering it. And also the clapping for our heroes is kind of like, can we actually just make sure that they're paid what they should be paid rather than these seemingly futile? I know they build um, some positive vibes in the community and we're all standing on our steps clapping, but I just it just feels a bit empty and futile and um, if we could just really focus on what we really need is well-paid stuff. So that's an aside. And then finally, uh, creativesagainstcovid19.com. That is a website where they have called on the creative community to design posters, which will be on sale for 40 euros. And they are to raise money for Women's Aid and the ISPCC, which are two charities. And there's also men's aid as well but the two charities they've chosen are women's aid and ISPCC which are helping vulnerable women and children who are really being impacted by self-isolation during COVID-19 and um, yeah I think it's there not to forget about the side people who need support at this time so log on to creativesagainstcovid19.com to look at the artwork this beautiful artwork and the theme was soon and so there is a lot of hope within it and I think it is um, definitely worth looking at so you know perhaps you could tell us what the deal is for it by now you you know the deal by now. Keep your distance. Keep washing your hands. Keep your sneezes contained. Keep yourself at home. Keep a mask on outside. What's a tuna chicken roll this week? Oh, the song is just providing me with so much joy at the moment. I listened to it nonstop yesterday. That's what I'm filling my time with. One song over and over again. And um, it is called Think About Things by Daddy Frere. Um, it is the... Icelandic entry into the Eurovision. It's an absolute tuna chicken roll. I feel so sorry for them and all the entries um, who were going to Eurovision who now won't get the opportunity to to fulfill a lifelong dream, I'd say. But this is an absolute tuna. It's a bop. It's a joy bringer. It is everything you are needing right now. And actually, they just announced um, a gig on the 5th of December in the Academy. Tickets went on sale today. Um, So... Maybe we'll be going to see them in December. But for now, we'll have a listen and be delighted. I've been Una. I've been Andrea. That was the corona impact on the live music industry.
And we, and we are, are United Ireland. United Ireland. Yes, nailed it. Baby, I can't wait to know. Believe me, I'll always be there. So. Ah uh-huh. 